Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet. Shake the devil off. Shake, shake, shake. Shake the devil off. Amen. Shake off today. Shake off yesterday. Shake off everything that can get your attention. When we come into the house of the Lord, we should put all of our focus and all of our attention on him. And so let's just shake off everything and have Jesus to have the preeminence in our life. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. What they call Thursday um, during Holy Week. Holy Thursday? That's what they call it, huh? Uh-huh. Holy Thursday. Amen. I'm about to mess all this stuff up tonight. All this traditional stuff that we got. I'm about to mess it all up. Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Ash Wednesday, about to mess it all up. We just come up with these nice things. Hey, if it ain't hurt nobody, I'm okay with it. But, you know, we just want to be accurate concerning the things of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, let's go before the Lord and ask him. I just want his spirit to help us, his presence to move in in the midst of us tonight. And that his will be done that when we leave here tonight, We will leave here better off with more insight, with a greater understanding of who he is. As you will find out tonight, having a great understanding of who he is, is exponentially important. If that's the word I need to say, or critically important that we know, and we need to continue to know more and more and more about who he is. Let's talk to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're grateful to be gathered together one more time. We've come tonight, Lord God, to have fellowship, Lord God, for we are the body of Christ, and you have set us so in the body according to your will and purpose. We've come to have fellowship tonight with each other, but more importantly, we've come, Lord God, to, oh God, have fellowship and communion with you, oh God. Father, we pray and ask tonight that you will remove any distraction or Oh, God, any wedge that will be placed between or that is already between us and you, which we know if there's such a thing, it's all on our side, Lord God. We want, Lord God, nothing to prevent us from having communion with you. We want nothing to prevent us, Lord God, from being able to have fellowship with you, from being able to be consumed by your presence. And so, God, we ask that you will drive, oh God, away from us every wedge and every, oh God, instrument that will try to separate us from you. For Lord, we ask that you will forgive us of our sins. For Lord, we realize we have sinned and come short of your glory. We realize, Lord God, that we have omitted to do the things that, Lord, you have commanded us to do. And so tonight we ask in the name of Jesus that you will remove all guilt and shame, that you'll remove from us, Lord God, all unrighteousness and all evil, Lord God, for we want to be, oh God, close to you. We want to be in fellowship with you. We want to be in communion with you. We want your presence to have preeminence, Lord. We want you to reign and have Oh, God, uh, the, 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 the reign of God upon us and in us tonight, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, uh, quicken us tonight, move us tonight, Lord God, stir us tonight by the power of your spirit, Lord God. 
I pray that our heart, Lord God, will be open tonight to the word of God, that our mind will be clear and that we will have great understanding. We need the help of the spirit of the Lord tonight, Lord. We need the guiding of the spirit of the Lord tonight. We need revelation and understanding, Lord, that we may draw nigh unto you, that we may come to know you in a deeper manner, Lord God, a deeper fashion, Lord God. We we want to know you, Lord God. In a way where, Lord, we will be able to be victorious, oh God, in walking with you and in doing the will of God and in being Christians, Lord, being a part of the body, Lord. We want to be victorious and, Lord, we want to live more righteous than we do unrighteously, Lord God. We want to live, Lord God, more according to your will than we do according to our flesh. We want to live more by the Spirit of God than we live by anything else, Lord. We want your will to be done. We want the kingdom of God to manifest in our life and to have, oh God, the reign in our life today, Lord. Have your way tonight. Hear our petition. Hear our heart tonight as we cry out to you to say, Jesus, have your way. To say, Jesus, speak to us. To say, Jesus, help us. To say, Jesus, we want more of you in our life, Lord. We want to be more like you, Lord God. We want to live a life that is pleasing unto you, Lord God. We want to be a people, Lord, that embrace and, oh God, enjoy and, oh God, dwell in the word of God, in the presence of God, and resist all unrighteousness, and resist all ungodliness, and resist all worldliness. Help us, Lord God, to recognize who we are in you and where you brought us from and all that you've done for us. Help us, almighty God, to not take for granted what you have done for us, what you continue to do for us. Help us, almighty God, that the work of Calvary will motivate us. The work of Calvary, Lord God, will move us, Lord, to action. Action to love like we've never loved before. Action to serve like we've never served before. Actions to be witnesses, Lord God, and disciple makers like never before. Move upon us, almighty God, and we today will realize, Lord, what we ought to do since you have done what you had claimed and, oh God, have already designed to do, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, have your way tonight, for we bless your name. The Lord is good. The Lord is great. Oh, there is none like you, Jesus. There is none like you, almighty God. Let your spirit take full control in this place. Impart to us whatsoever you will. Oh, that the Holy Spirit will guide and lead our Bible lesson tonight, Lord God. We want to be changed to become more like you. We want to grow into maturity to come become more like you, Lord God. Help us tonight, Lord Jesus. Open up our understanding tonight. We want the Holy Spirit to help us tonight. We want the Word of God to be clear to us tonight. We want change to come into our heart tonight. We want understanding like we've never had it before, Lord God. We want the wisdom of God like we've never had it before, Lord God. And help us to walk in your presence 
presence to walk, Lord God, according to your will. Oh, God, like never before, we bless your name. The Lord is good. Your mercy everlasting and your truth endure to all generations. Oh, Lord, we thank you tonight for allowing us to be in your presence one more time. We thank you tonight, Lord God, for the gathering of the body of Christ. We thank you one more time, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Oh, God, there is none like you. Jesus, we praise your holy name. Jesus, we bless your holy name. Jesus, you're high and lifted up. Oh, there is none like you, Lord God. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the great I am, Lord God, the everlasting Father, the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, who is like unto thee, Lord, for there is none that compared to you. Who is like thee, Lord, for there is none like you. It is you, Lord, that stretch forth the heavens and the earth all by yourself, O God. You declare the ending from the beginning, Lord God. And, O Lord, who is like the Lord? There is none, Lord God, to compare you with. You're the Lord God all by yourself, Lord. We bless your name. Oh, the Lord is good. We worship you. Come on, lift your hands with me and worship the Lord. Worship him and let him know that you adore him. Worship the Lord and let him know how much you love him. Worship the Lord and let him know, oh, that he's worthy of your praise. He's worthy to be worshipped. Worship the Lord tonight in spirit and in truth. Oh, God, I bless your name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Let's clap our hands to him and thank him tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. So good to have you, those of you that are here in the house of the Lord, and those of you who have joined us online. Holy Thursday, they say it is. Amen. Let's see what Holy Thursday is all about. What did you do today? <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting how we have, um, well, we were playing the song. That says, give me that old-time religion. I know what they're saying, but at the same time, nothing should have changed about this. <laughs> so, 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 I don't know. I guess they must have looked around, and, and it looked like to them the world or Christianity was getting new school and not old school anymore. So they said, give me that old-time religion. But all of it that God has given to us when he came on this earth is all what we're supposed to be going by. And so that never changes. Amen. Well, let's see what we have here tonight. I don't know. I'm just going to talk to you a little bit. And uh, maybe we can talk about a little bit. Um, what do you have for me, Patrice? Um, put, put up on the screen whatever um, I've asked you to put up for me. Let's start there. Let's start there. Opening text. So I'm going to just start right here. Don't have an opening text that I'm going to start right here. Um, so this calendar 
is a calendar of the Hebrew calendar and our Western calendar. So this helps us to understand the the sequence of what transpired during the week our Savior was crucified. And remember I talked about Sunday that what he did with the Israelites back in Egypt, he totally mimicked it, but now instead of the animal being the lamb that was sacrificed, Jesus was the lamb that was sacrificed. So he followed the same pattern from way back then when he came on the earth. He followed that same pattern, and this is what it's, it looks like. So you see we have our Western calendar, our Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. First thing you have to understand is with the Hebrew calendar is they start at 601. As far as we're concerned, 601 p.m., the Hebrew calendar. So it's not when does the day start with us? 1201 a.m. So it's not weird. We just, you know, we, you know, probably an example of us realizing whatever, you know, you get so caught into it that you can't see outside of it. Right. But our morning starts at 12.01 a.m. So our day begins at 12.01 a.m. here in America. Well, in Israel, their day starts, and I witness it for myself, at 6.01 p.m., right? So The, the crucifixion became a little bit challenging for all, especially those of us in the Western world. Um, it became became a challenge for us because we're trying to view it from the calendar of a Western world calendar when it was in you know Israel where this all took place. So when you take a look at it, just like so, the, the, what is it called? The tenth Abib. So that's the first month, the tenth day, tenth day Hebrew calendar, right? First month. 10th day, but look how it starts. You see how it starts? Night and then day. So that clearly shows you, okay, you know, they're recognizing, you know, 601 as the beginning of a day, which is really night, and then it goes on from there. And so you will see that the first month of the year, the year of Bib, that the 10th day, um, they were supposed to choose the lamb. The 11th day, lamb kept. The 12th day, lamb kept. The 13th day, lamb kept. However, between the 13th and the 14th was when the Passover lamb was killed. Um, it wasn't so... It was it, it, the Passover lamb. The Bible says, and I'll read to you in a second. The Bible says that at about the ninth hour, the ninth hour is three o'clock. Again, Eastern time um, <laughs> over in the um, Middle East there. So it's 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 three o'clock, and so the day is gone. 
3 o'clock over there is late evening. Late evening. So, in actuality, the lamb was killed late evening. Again, preparation. Because you have to kill it and you have to cook it. And they're not eating late like we like to eat late. So, the lamb was killed on the evening of the 13th. Right? And so, they had to prepare it because... They were going to roast it for their dinner. But remember the whole thing, when you kill it, the blood got to be drained. So you got to drain the blood. You got to go and put the, um, the blood out on the lentil and, and the doorpost. And so you got to do all of that. And so the actual Passover, when the, uh, the, 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 they call it the death angel, passed through uh, Egypt and killed the firstborn of Pharaoh and the firstborn of um, the animals and the firstborn of their gods. When that happened, that was actually on the 14th, on the actual Passover day. So that's kind of what it looked like. So when you look at the calendar, you will see um, the 13th day of preparation. But uh, later on that evening was when the lamb was killed, blood was drained, uh, uh, begin to prepare it with the bitter herbs and all of that stuff, and um, blood had to be placed. And then on the 14th was when the actual death angel passed through Egypt and began to do work. And so that's why the 14th is recognized as Passover, because that's when the death angel passed over. But when the lamb was slain was three o'clock the day before Passover. So in our layman's terms today. If the lamb was killed on the 13th day of the first month, if it was killed on the 13th day, not the day, the evening, I have to say it that way. Here we go. So it means that Jesus spent one night in the ground or buried the night of the 13th, just the night. Because the day he wasn't dead, the afternoon he wasn't dead, the evening he died. So he only spent the night in there. So he was in the tomb that night of the 13th. Then on the 14th, day and night, he's in there, right? Then on the 15th, day and night. At that point, when night came on the 15th, he had done three days, but only two nights. I mean, I'm sorry, three nights, but only two days. So you look at it. From what I'm saying, from the 13th, 14th, 15th, he did three nights and two days. So that takes him to the end of the week, the Sabbath, which now is Saturday. So Saturday, he rose late that Saturday evening again. So that means when the new day started, if you start reading the scripture, it says when the new day is dawning. We worship on Sunday because the new day is dawning. And we say, that's resurrection. But think about it from this standpoint. The new day dawned for them at what time? So it was Saturday. When they went to the tomb to find him and he was already resurrected. Because if we go by our stuff, what does the new day mean? That's what it would mean. But the deal is, Sunday morning for us is 12.01. So it can't be, 
you know, legit because this, we got to go by their new morning, their new day, not the Western new day, but where he was, which is in Israel. We have to go by their new day. So their new day that was dawning was 601. And if you want to stretch it out, you can. It doesn't have a problem. If you want to take it all the way through to our Sunday morning when it begins to become light, you can still do that. But the point is, he rose that Saturday afternoon because that's where you got three days and three nights from. If you do it any other way, and again, the, the schedule has to be according to the Middle East. This is why sometimes our Bible gets challenging for us because we read certain things and we say, what does that mean? You know, what are you talking about? You know, they say certain things that are affiliated, associated with over in Israel. And we're here in the Western world and say, what in the world is that? But sometimes you have to stop and do a little bit of study about, well, what is this in the Middle East? What does this mean? What do they do? Blah, blah, blah. And all that stuff. So if you want to get three days and three nights and be accurate, you're talking about Wednesday night. Right? Crucified Wednesday evening at three o'clock. Died, let me say it this way. Died Wednesday evening. We're going to read in the scripture in a second. Died Wednesday evening at three o'clock p.m. So day had been gone by. Afternoon had been gone by. Evening had been gone by. And so now tomb nighttime. So he spent the night, his first night was spent in a tomb on the 13th. So that's one night. 14th, another night and a day. 15th, another night and a day. So now he's up to three nights and two days. And then the 16th, which is the last day of the week, the Sabbath as we know it, after the day had gone by, he completed those three days and three nights. So he rose anytime. He rose could arose anytime after noon at 12. Well, just to, you know, associate with our time, you know, in the, in the after, well, let's go by their time. He had, he rose. So six o'clock um, in the morning is the first hour of the day for them. So um, nine o'clock is the morning. From six to nine is morning time um, from nine to 12, still early morning there. So he rose somewhere after 12 midday their time, right? Somewhere after that, and he ascended and, you know, as they said, um, made sure, you know, he was able to be touched after that. So that's the time that he rose. And yes, it's the first day of the week that he celebrated. And the first day of the week is according to their calendar first. Can it still make sense for us? Yes, it does. So so their first day of the week is it starts 601 p.m. Saturday evening. Our first day of the week started at 12.01 p.m., so it, it's close enough. But the bottom line is that's the calendar that that drives the whole crucifixion. And if we try to make our calendar fit it, we, we won't ever get it. We won't ever get it. You, you can't get it. So here's the first text I will tell you. I didn't give Patrice this text. But here's the, the first text I'm going to tell you in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. This is an important text that you want to see. Let's see if you can get it quicker than me. Oh, she got it quicker than me. Look at Matthew 12, verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, you go and calculate and get three days and three nights with what we traditionally do. 
right? So if we're going to know what our Savior did and how he did it, you understand what I'm saying to you, that if you calculate it according to our time, Wednesday evening, Saturday afternoon. He, he died Wednesday evening. He was buried in the tomb. And then he rose Saturday afternoon. Yes, sir. So when Mary went to the tomb, it it could be after 6 p.m. And I'm and I'm going to really say it's probably that time after 6 p.m. And it says when there was the dawning of a new day. As I said, I experienced this in Israel and it was so weird to me. I, I still can't get over it. How at 6 p.m. This is it's amazing. I want everybody to experience it. That's a Christian. But at 6 p.m. on Friday, everything shuts down in Jerusalem shut down like maybe like i used to be in, in in some places years ago but everything shut down nothing moves the only thing that's going on is service worship acknowledging almighty god that's that's all the wailing wall is packed on six o'clock at friday evening everybody at the wailing wall it's just it's just that kind of time so it's nothing going on it's so crazy that when we went to our hotel to go to our room they programmed the hotel um, elevators. So the elevators are programmed from 6 o'clock Friday to stop on every floor. They might have one that if you're not a, uh, a, a Muslim, um, um, uh, a Jew, if you're not a Jew and you're not, um, you know, um, celebrating um, the, 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 the Sabbath, then you can catch that elevator. So you have one elevator for everybody and for the Jews. All the other elevators, like Easy Pass. <laughs> so you, got, you, got, you, got, you got the Easy Pass over here. And everybody go through because, you know, you press whatever floor you want, go straight there. But over these other elevators over here, stopping at every floor. Because they said no work, no nothing. They're not touching no buttons. They don't work. The people that work in the hotels are Muslims or just non-Jews in the hotels. They're not working. Nothing goes on. You don't hear cars on the streets. I mean, it's just dead. And I'm in my hotel room Saturday evening, and at 6.01, you knew it was a new day. Crazy. You start hearing the honking of horns. It's just noise. It's like, it sounds like the market to me. Like, like, I looked out the window. I'm like, this is crazy. Saturday evening at 6.01, it's like everything just picked back up. So everything that stopped at 6.01 Friday evening, everything just picked back up Saturday at 6.01. It's like a new day. So when I read in the Bible where the Bible says a new day, I start thinking about it like, yes, it's probably 6.01. Now, mind you, you know, sun starts to go down at that time. So it does look that way like it's early morning. You know how we look, we have our early morning. It does look like that because the sun is going down. But for them, it's a new day dawning. So that's how you're going to really know what the real 
essence is behind what the Lord is saying and what the Bible is teaching is because you have to go back to saying, what's the what's the situation over in Israel? Because that's the only way I'm going to understand it. When I understand it from their perspective, then I can make some I can gather some understanding now wherever we are in the Western world, we can make some sense of it. But you first have to know what it is literally according to how they conduct business over in Israel. So three days and three nights, that's how you get your three days and three nights. So all of what we celebrated, you know, you know, they say Good Friday was the day that he was he died. And so I don't know how many years we went with that saying, you know, Good Friday, and we never can prove how in the world you go from Friday to Sunday and got three days and three nights, and we just let it go. We let it go. A, a lot of Christians let it go that they, they believe that he died, um, and, they, and they even went and says he died um, at 3 o'clock Friday. If he died 3 o'clock Friday, we're in trouble. We, we, got a, we got a false religion. Just saying. Because you can't get three days and three nights out of 3 o'clock Friday evening to, to, to early Sunday morning. You're not getting three days, three nights out of that. So it's important to understand that. So let me get into some text here and read for you. The sacrifice of the Passover lamb took place on Abib 13, the first month, 13th day. The actual sacrifice of the Passover lamb took place on the day before the Passover on the 13th day of this first month. Exodus chapter 12, verse number 13 reminds us that the blood of the sacrifice had to be applied before the night of the passing over. So the sacrifice took place on the 13th day just prior to, to sundown, which begins the 14th day. Here we go. So this is what it says in Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Verse 22 says, and when ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin and none of you shall go out of the door of the house until the morning. Okay. Uh, Exodus chapter uh, 12 verse number six. It says, and ye shall keep it on and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So check this out. The Hebrew word for up until is a word that's pronounced mahahald. Mahahald. M-A-A-L-A-D. Meaning to but not including. Up to but not including. So the keeping of the lamb ends on the 13th day before the 14th day begins. We got to understand that. Now, let's get into a little bit more. Christianity. This is why I'm taking my time and I'm talking about this. And the reason why I'm talking about this, everything is not about, you know, an emotional um, experience in the word of God or from the pulpit. I'm talking about this and I'm, 
I'm really passionate about it and taking my time about it because a lot of people that are Christians, they started drifting and doing other things and they're doing it because they're ignorant of God's word. I'm going to give them the benefit that most of the times when we see people drifting and start to do things that you're wondering, how can you do that? Why are you doing that? And, and why, you're, why are you okay with that? I think a lot of it is either misunderstanding of God's word or they just didn't know God's word, right? I know for some instance they just want to just reject and disobey God's word. But I'm going to be, uh, give people the benefit of the doubt and say most of the times when they start going to the left, it's because they really didn't have good understanding of God's word. Like I said, here is, a, I just gave you a great example of, can you imagine a Muslim or somebody had challenged you to say, you believe in Jesus Christ and y'all believe in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And y'all said he was dead three days and three nights. And y'all said he was buried on Friday and rose on Sunday. That ain't three days and three nights. What are you going to do then? What are you going to do then? Argue? But walk away with doubt because he just proved to you what you believe is not right. And this is why I am passionate about this to slow it down sometimes and let's look at this because there's a lot of people that have gone to the left. You know, you've been hearing me talk a lot about holiness because a lot of people are just misunderstand holiness. They thought it was just a standard. The Bible says, be ye holy like I'm holy. The Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And we're treating the holiness subject like it's just, oh, well, you know, it's a standard. Okay. Okay. So my responsibility as pastor, as the servant of God, is to teach you properly. Then whatever you decide on, it's up to you. But the bottom line is this. We need to know God's word. We need to know God's word. Christianity is totally dependent on the identity of a historical person named Jesus Christ. See, we don't understand the importance of that. What I just said, everything else you will do and believe, if you don't understand that, it means nothing. This is what I'm saying. If I'm showing you from last Sunday that the Lord Jesus became the Lamb of God, but he set it all up way back then so he can do what he has to do in the time that he came and did it. If I'm showing that it was all leading up to him and we're not getting it, how important his identity is to us. It's not, we should not be comfortable when anyone misunderstand that Jesus Christ is God manifest in flesh. You can't take it easy on that. Because if you misidentify who he is, you could be following false religion. It's him that is responsible for all of this. Everything consists in him. And anyhow we misunderstand who he is, our religion is vain. That sounds strong, 
But unfortunately, maybe we needed was to say that a lot back in the day. So some people today wouldn't be so loose in how they're living for God. Maybe we should have been stronger on it. This is why, you know, I remember, I can remember when I first got saved, there were certain preachers that before they preached, they got to tell you who Jesus is. Forget about their sermon text. That, that has nothing to do with that. They, they make sure when they greet you, they greet you and let you know, you got to know who Jesus is. You, you got to know how to be saved, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, talking with tongues, and you got to know about living holy and righteous. They always brought that up, and people used to get mad. Some people used to get mad. They always got to say that. They needed to say that. They needed to say that because now we see where we are. They needed was to say that. And a lot of us got turned off by it. Like, come on now, get to the sermon. Get to your word. We know, we know that. Get to your word. Because we want to hear some fancy word coming from seeing what kind of preaching he was going to do. And so we were like, move on from that. We know that. Unfortunately, today, we're living like we don't know that. So they, they were warranted for saying that getting up in the pulpit all the time and they got their notes laid out ready to preach but they never got to it right away they, they, they get to I thank God for Jesus who went to Calvary for me and that we know that he's the almighty God incarnate manifest and people are like yeah we know that what's your sermon title though we're waiting there give me a sermon title and the, and, and the preacher just trying to establish that he wants everybody to know. You need to know who Jesus is. You need to know how to be saved. You need to know about holiness. And he's trying to establish that and get that all in our heart. And we just like, come on, give me the sermon. And now today, we treat holiness like it's, like it's a choice. <laughs> it's a choice. How we live, how we dress. It's a choice. He didn't mean that when he said be holy. I don't know. I don't know. The other thing, and I guess I'll get to that. The other thing that I'm concerned about is whatever happened to a little bit of common sense of just saying, again, because I think that we probably don't understand this enough. What happened to a little bit of common sense to say, if Christ sacrificed all of that and did all of that for me, regardless if it's in the Bible or not, let me do a little bit of sacrificing. I'm just saying a little common sense. This don't take nothing real deep. Once you understand what he has done for you in the book, you read it, you understand it, you understand that. What's wrong with now you decide, you know what, regardless of what the church, I told you all, some of you know about this, that there was a time in my life in church I never wore any short sleeve shirt. The church had nothing to do with it. The church didn't tell me, bro, you need to make sure you wear long sleeve all the time. Nope. It was my own conviction. It was my own conviction. That had to be between me and Jesus. It was my own conviction that I didn't have to wear short sleeve shirts. Right? And so I didn't wear it. I just didn't. Long sleeve shirt. The heat of summer, I would go, I would be at picnic parks and I'm I got my long jeans on and I got my long sleeve shirt on. And they're looking at me like, dude, what's going on with you? 
But I understand just a tad bit from the very beginning. I've got to have some sacrifice in my life for him. He sacrificed so much for me. And I can't sit here and complain about, well, I'm too hot. Well, you know, all this stuff we say about why we don't do the things that he wants us to do. And I'm saying, really? Do we want to now start thinking about I'm too hot to look this way and I'm too hot to dress this way. And this is, you know, you know, it's no big deal. Everything was a big deal for him. And he's not asking us to do what he did. So we shouldn't be fussing and fighting about it. Christianity is totally dependent on the identity of a historical person, Jesus Christ. In this, it is removed from the religion of men. Once you understand that Christianity is based upon Jesus Christ, almighty God manifest in flesh. Once you understand that that's what we're basing off, then we will stop inserting ourselves in there by saying, well, I don't see what's wrong with this. Because when you start saying that, now you're bringing in the religion of men. This is why we have all these religions in the world today is because man decided, I like this. This sounds right. I'm okay with this, but I don't like that. And I don't think that's right. And so I'm not doing that. So you just started a new religion. So every time we decide that, mm, I don't think that's that important. I don't see what's wrong with this. And God won't be offended by this. God understands. We're starting our own religion. And we don't realize that. Because we didn't take it serious to understand that what makes this different, sacred, what makes this the thing that we need to hold on to is that the almighty God who designed this world, who breathed into man's nostril, created man with his hands out of dirt and breathed in his nostril and he became a living soul. The almighty God that's responsible for everything that is made, the almighty God who is spirit that decides the only way to save my people, I got to become like them flesh and blood and come in that world the almighty God that God is the one that instituted Christianity he's so when we start going off and start thinking that okay nothing wrong we're not being right we're not doing it right we're not walking in obedience we're creating our own thing it's no longer godly it's mixed with man when we start saying, it's nothing wrong with this. Ah, this is okay. We're mixing God with man. We're creating our own kind of religion. If this is a God thing and he started it and he is the one responsible for it, then whatever he says, that's what it is. We can't begin to insert, nothing wrong with this. I don't, eh, God understands. You go through what he went through and then tell and let somebody tell you to understand. You go through the beating. You go through all of the lying on you. Know, you go through all of being killed, being spared inside and being naked. You go through all of that and, and say, I understand. You all can do whatever you want. I understand. No, no, no. You go through all of that. You say, if I go through all of that, then what less? Because it's less. The less than that I'm asking you to do, I'm holding you to it. The less than that I'm asking you to do, I'm holding you to it. That's what God is saying to us.
because he's not asking us to do exactly what he did. So what he's asking us is less than what he did. So the less than we should. Religions of men are all systems of subjective beliefs dependent only upon the believer. We don't realize that believing something don't mean it's real, don't mean it's legit, don't mean it's right. You can believe ridiculous things. So because you believe it, it don't mean it's right. Or it don't mean it's the right, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's what God says. No, what they said. If God said it, I believe it. No, if God said it, that's it. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Now, it's great if you believe it and obey it. But you don't have nothing to do. I don't have nothing to do with what God says. Once God says, this is it, that's it. That's where the buck stops. Yes. Christianity, in contrast, is totally dependent upon the identity of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is called Christ. It is so important that we understand that. Remember what I told you. The devil tried to duplicate God's plan of Christianity, and he is stuck because he can't do it. But for people that don't know, they don't realize that that's what the devil is trying to mimic. He's trying to mimic Christianity. How is he doing that? You check most religion. They have a God and a prophet that's supposed to be the forerunner for that God. Go and check it out. Do your research. There's always a forerunner. There's always what they quote unquote a prophet of their God. Separate. So you can't know their God because their God, it can't be, he, whatever the, their God is, can't be known. So you have to trust what the prophet says about the God, whatever that religion is. And what separates us and destroys them that we have is our God is the prophet. Our God is the one that's behind it all. He is one and the same. And that cannot be duplicated. So because that is so awesome and can't be duplicated, we need to hold on to that and rest in that and brag about that and talk about that all the time. Go seek out another religion and see if you don't find out that they're going to tell you that their mysterious God had a prophet. Their prophet found something out about their mysterious God. And they can't tell you about the mysterious God, but they will tell you all about their prophet. But Jesus Christ, who is God Almighty, he is the prophet. He is the one that's responsible for it all. There's no, there's no, there's no son on the side. There is, there is no second God and no, no demigod. It's only one God and his name is Jesus. And he does whatever he needs to do to make it work for us. He became the substitute that we can be saved. It's only one God. But all these other religions, they're trying to mimic this, and that's where they fall short. That's where they fall short. They're trying it badly, so you have to realize that if that's where they're losing out on, I need to make sure I'm talking about that. I need to make sure that's in my soul, in my spirit, and I'm living it. The historical evidence of the life and death of Jesus Christ is overwhelming. No student of history can rationally deny that he lived and died over 2,000 years ago. However, many people do question the truth 
of the claims he made and that were made by those who knew him and came to know him well concerning his identity. The Jews, for the most part, rejected him because of the identity he claimed. The Gentiles, who were exposed to his gospel for the most part, forsook all other gods for him. The identity of Jesus Christ is the issue upon which Christianity is either established or exposed. The identity of Jesus Christ. You can't mess with that. You can't play with, well, well, you know, no, no. He's God Almighty. God Almighty. Can't play with that. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 2 and 2? For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh-huh. He says, I don't, I don't need to know all the stuff that y'all think I need to know. I don't need to know all that stuff. Because when you come to know who Jesus is, you got all knowledge. I don't have time to go to that scripture today because I tell you, I teach that to you all the time. When you get to know God, he gives you knowledge of godliness and life. What else is there to know? <laughs> so when you come to know him, you've got all knowledge about life and who he is when you come to know him. Our endeavor each day now is to know him in a deeper way, in a more profound way. Our endeavor every day is to go deeper and deeper, to know him more intimately. Just as an example, when a husband and wife is married, the longer they are together, the more they know each other. And so the longer we are with our Lord, the more we're supposed to know him. That's our endeavor when we become Christians, is to know him deeper, to know him more. And the more we know him, the more holy we will become. The more we come to know him, the more righteous we'll become. The more we come to know him, the more we will be more like him. You ever hear them say, when husband and wife been been together a long time, Brother D, they say they start looking alike. They start looking alike. They start talking alike. They have all, well, well, guess what? The Lord is trying to help us understand something. You start living for God continuously. You'll start to be like him. (laughs) Hallelujah. Paul made this the central point and essence of all his knowledge because he knew the excellency of this knowledge. He knew it. As the only knowledge which rose to the height of wisdom, Christ is the only foundation for us. In the person and the work of Christ is involved the gospel. When you know Jesus, you know the gospel. This is why it, it, it's so centrally focused on him. This is why we said we're Christ at a church where Christ is our central focus because it's so centrally focused on him that when you focus everything on him, you have everything you need. Mm-hmm. It is finished is my title tonight. It is finished. And so let me finish up here. In Matthew 27 verse 41, it gives us the description of the last few moments before Christ died and gave up the ghosts. In verse 41, it says, Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, 
he saved others. Himself, he cannot save. If he be king of, the, of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and, we'll be, and we will believe him. Can you imagine, you almighty God, and you know you can do everything that they're saying that you can't do, but you don't do it. Church, we got to learn as Christians, because you can do something don't mean you have to do it. Because you can do something don't mean you have to do it. Our God showed us that. They telling him, oh, you say you this, you say you that. Show us this. And then we so hypocritical. I, I, we, get, I, we get on my nerves. Because here's what they said to him. This is what they say. He saved others. He can't even save himself. I don't know how I would deal with that. That's why, that's why he got all by himself. Because that, that right there, no, nah, that's coming off the cross worthy. That's coming, off, that's coming off the, oh, no, I got to come off the cross for this. <laughs> My God. I got to come off the cross for this. My goodness. They says, if he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. Lie. Lie, lie, lie. That's how we are. Well, if you will do this, I will do this lying. It's your curiosity and you just wanted to see something. And if he would have came off the cross, you would have never believed. Lying. And that's the kind of bogusness we say all the time. Well, if God will just do this. Well, if God will just do that. Shut up and stop telling lies on yourself. Stop looking bad. He will do it and you still won't follow him. Either you want to follow him or you don't. If he would just do this. Verse 30, 43, he trusted in God. Let him deliver now. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. Got it? And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was man and God at the same time. Any flesh that you punish, any flesh that you inflict pain upon is going to cry out. You walk in flesh, I don't care who you are. If you walk in flesh and you inflict pain upon that flesh, some crying out will take place. <laughs> John chapter 19 verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He died the ninth hour. And between the ninth hour and the twelfth hour, they shuffled him into the tomb. And he spent his first night in the tomb. It is finished means it is accomplished. It is fulfilled. It is paid in full. Jesus' death accomplished redemption. Paid in full. And his death fulfilled all 
the Old Testament prophecies. Up to this point, sin could be atoned through a complicated system of sacrifices. Sin separates people from God and only through the sacrifice of an animal, a substitute, and faith in God's promise could people be forgiven and become clean before God. But people sin continually. So frequent sacrifices were required. I teased one time. I said, if the Lord decided he was just going to let the blood, the, the blood of animals and, you know, take away sin like it was back in the day, we will all be vegetarians. <laughs> you missed it? Did you miss that? If we were still sacrificing animals for sin, we would all be vegetarians because there would be no animals. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Frequent sacrifices caused them to, back then, to, they, every time they sinned, they had to, you know, sacrifice. Jesus, however, was the final and ultimate sacrifice for sin. With his death, the complex sacrificial system ended because Jesus took all sin upon himself. All sin. Now we can freely approach God because of what Jesus did for us. Those who believe in Jesus' sacrificial death and resurrection and obey the plan of salvation and then continue to live a holy and righteous lifestyle can eternally be with God and escape the penalty that comes with sin. It is finished. What was finished? What are we to, what are we supposed that it is finished mean? Mm-hmm. To finish is to bring to an end. And there are two ways in which things may be brought to an end or finish. A work is said to be finished when it is completed or brought to perfection. So when something is finished, it is either completed or brought to perfection. Thus, in the book of Exodus, we read that all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation was finished. And again, in the first book of Kings, that Solomon built the house of the Lord and finished it. And again, in the book of Ezra, that the elders of the Jews rebuilt the house of the Lord and finished it. In these passages, you will easily see finishing means completing. And in like manner, the account of the creation in the book of Genesis, it wound up with these words. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. On the other hand, a thing may come to an end by being destroyed. And then also is it sometimes said to be finished. So finish, completion. Finish, perfection. Finish, destruction. That's what Jesus did. When he went to Calvary. That's what he did. 
he completed the work that he was supposed to complete. He perfected it. He also destroyed it. (laughs) All of it fit perfectly for what Jesus came and did for us. In this particular case, what Jesus finished can be our beginning. Come on, somebody. (laughs) What Jesus finished, what Jesus perfected, what Jesus completed, what Jesus destroyed became a beginning for us. How good is our God? But I don't want us to miss being a sacrificial saint of God. What I say, I've always said, God is never going to tell you you overdid it when you get before him to go to heaven. He's not going to say, Sister Idea, you did too much. That was so much. Why didn't you just slow down? You think God's going to say that? So it's nothing wrong with overdoing it. It's nothing wrong with sacrificing. It's nothing wrong with giving of yourself extensively. It's nothing wrong with it because he won't tell you you're doing too much. So it's no need for us to walk around and 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 and, and walk a fine line or 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 barely give him what he's asking us. Because that's what we're doing in essence that we're not realizing. We're just, we're just like, w- listen, when I ask someone to do something, I told you all about my, my, my older boys when I used to ask them to, to, to run the, um, the lawnmower and in the, in, 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 in cut the grass. They drove me crazy, made me angry. Because it probably was my own self. Just, that was my battle internally. Why is that my battle internally? Because if I say yes to do something for you, I'm giving it my all. If I don't want to do it, I'm just going to say I don't want to do it. I told my wife before, I've done things for you that you had no clue I didn't want to do. Because if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it with my all. And so when Jesus gave his all for us, because he gave his all, I just got a problem with us skimping. And trying to get by and not doing exceeding and abundant. I just got a problem with that. He gave all and we're just trying to do the bare minimum. To me, that's what this, this is what every year. When, when this time come around, that's what I think about more than everything else is how much he has done for me. And what in the world am I doing for him? Just trying to get over, just trying to make it, just trying to get to heaven. Come on, Wayne. Are you going to operate like that after all that he's done for you, bro? Are you worrying about your comfortability after all he's done for you, bro? Come on, bro. You can do better than that. You know all the things he went through for you, bro. That's just how I feel about it. And every time I think about what Jesus has done for us, We cannot earn, let me be clear about this, we cannot earn our salvation, right? We cannot earn it. 
But all I'm saying here is I want him to know I really do appreciate what he has done for me. He needs to know that and not talking about, oh, it's in my heart. What's in my heart? Whatever's in your heart is going to come out sooner or later. So if you really appreciate what he's done for you, let it come out. Don't walk around talking, he knows my heart and I appreciate what he did. Remember what I said the other day? God has proven to you and me that he loves us. Now tell me what are we doing to prove to him that we love him? Don't don't forget that. Always ask yourself about it. What am I doing to let the Lord know I love him? We 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 talk about how when we love each other as people on this earth that we always do things to show our love to one another. And we have to stop and ask ourselves, what are we doing to show our love? To the one who showed his love for us first, the one that gave everything for us. What are we doing to show him we love him? Are we just always just going to eat up and just take from him? Ooh, you did this for me. That's all good. Thank you, Jesus. And just keep it moving. Thank you, Jesus. We ought to do better with sacrifice. We ought to do better with how much we give of ourselves to God. We ought to do better than that. We are not supposed to let anything in our life get more than what we give to God. Yeah, that's quiet. It's okay. It's a fact. Can't do it. When we read all the scripture, you know, how much more does he love us? His eye on the sparrow, he takes care of the birds and the lilies in the field and all this stuff. But how much more? The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are upon them that are his. So, If he's watching us all the time, if he's providing for us all the time, we all know what Calvary was all about. He's doing for us all day, every day, nonstop. What am I missing? All day, every day, nonstop, he's doing for us. What are we doing? Thank you, Jesus. All we're going to do is thank him, huh? Are we just going to be, or will we... Take a big boy step, big girl step and say, let me obey his commandments and do something. As Christ at that hour finished his work for you at the cost of such bitter suffering and humiliation. Man. You say you're the king, won't you come off the cross now? You want something to drink? He got some vinegar, bro. Slapped him. Spat upon him. Beat him. I heard one version that I, I, I never never heard it this way, a version of interpretation of when they said when he was carrying his cross and they had Simon the Cyrenian to carry the cross for him. Somebody interpreted it this way. Simon didn't carry the cross. Jesus had the heavy part of the cross and Simon only picked the back of it because they wanted to put more pressure on Jesus. So they, somebody that, you know, is saying, if you really study it, what it really is saying is they put more pressure on him carrying the cross by not letting the tail of it drag, but by picking up the tail of it. So all the weight was really upon him. That's what Simon was carrying. Simon wasn't carrying his cross. 
I don't know how true that is. I can't I can't prove that. I am just telling you, we need to start digging in our word and start studying to really know what and understand what the Bible says, as opposed to all these stories we hear, because we already know we've had an erroneous story about Good Friday. He died at three o'clock and Sunday morning early. He rose. And we can't explain our way out of it. And if somebody come at you with it, if you didn't hear this today, you was going to walk away. I'm preaching my heart out on a Sunday and you walk away and the devil saying, yeah, but, you know, that stuff ain't true. That stuff ain't true because because you believe in something that ain't true. I'm telling you, there are people that the devil does that. He wait for you and then bring something out that you don't understand. And that challenges you when question, you know, you're, you're, you're questioning, is this really real? And you can't explain it. And when you get to a place of doubt, you start finding yourself compromising because you're doubting. But when you know what you know what you know, then when they come with this junk, there is no doubt. So there is no opportunity to compromise. And a lot of people are walking away from God because they did not know. And when the doubt came, they started mm, 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 compromising. So that's what we're seeing a lot of today. People compromising because we never took this like we needed to take it. We're looking for the easy way out of this Christianity thing. We're looking for the easy way out. And when you look for that easy way out, sooner or later you're going to find yourself doing something that's not adding up. And the devil is going to say, see, you believe in something that don't even really is true. And now doubts start creeping in. All right, I'm finished. While in one sense it was the end, in another it was the beginning, as I mentioned. An end of the warfare and the struggle which had been desolating the earth hopelessly ever since the fall of men. And a beginning of peace in which the victory won on that day when he defeated hell, sin, the grave. He did all of that for us that we today still have this opportunity to experience eternal life. To experience abundant life. He is so good. He says, while you're living, you can experience abundant life. And when you die, you experience eternal life. Don't mess with the Lord. He has done everything for us. No need to play games. No need to be just just trying to do just enough. I'm not trying to do just enough. He didn't do just enough for me. This stuff was intentional. What he did was prophesy many times over in the Bible. Many years ago, it was prophesied and he came and he fulfilled it per- perfectly. Fulfill everything he said. So he didn't, he didn't tiptoe and try to just let me get. He didn't make anything become get by. Everything was intentional and was perfectly executed. And I'm supposed to just try to get by. Don't mess with me when I'm just going over the top with God. Just leave me alone. Don't say nothing to me. Hey, he's just over the top with that. Okay, whatever. Don't, don't just keep that to yourself. Because you know why I'm over the top. I'm telling you why I'm over the top. 
I'm over the top because he did everything perfectly without complaining, without fighting, without doing. He did it all for me and for you. So if I act like I'm over the top and ODing, why pastor always saying we need to do this? Why? That's just too much. Well, because I know what Jesus did for us. And that's why I'm saying let us do what we need to do for him. Let's stand. If you look back today, he would have been in the in, in the ground. Two nights and one day. That's what he pushing. Two nights and one day. Tomorrow will make it. After the end of tomorrow, three nights, two days. Saturday, after the day is gone, that will make it three nights, three days. And then whatever time he rolls after that doesn't even matter. It just means he did the three days and the three nights like he prophesied that he would. He says, destroy this temple, three days, I'll raise it up. This is the things that, these are the things that he said. And sure enough, he did it. We can't be compromising for this stuff, man. Either we in this and we willing to do this and this means everything to us or it's not. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. God, you are so great and so wonderful. I feel so unworthy when I begin to think of your goodness. When I begin to think of all that you've done for us, I feel so unworthy, Lord God. Oh, God. The only thing that keeps me going sometimes is your word, Lord God, because I know your word is true. I know you're not a man that you should ever lie. And so I cling to your word, Lord God, because I feel so unworthy. I feel so worthless. I feel, almighty God, that I don't deserve your goodness, your kindness. For all that you've done, I never feel like, God, I deserve it, Lord. And so, Lord, I'm just here tonight to say, help me. Help me, Lord God, to realize, Lord, that you have done this because you love us and because you're a God of justice. You're a God of judgment. You're a God that is merciful. And you did all of this that we all can have this opportunity of abundant life and eternal life. And I pray tonight, Lord God, that you'll deliver us from our own guilt and from our own shame and deliver us, Lord God, from our own works of unrighteousness Lord God that Lord Jesus we can accept what you have done for us that we can embrace it Lord God and become obedient to the word of God for Lord you've done all of it Lord God that we oh God will not have to remain under the bondage of sin that we don't have to oh God remain in the claws and the clutches and the strongholds of Satan I pray tonight Lord God that you will stir us enough Lord God, where we will not be the same again, where, Lord, what we give to you, we give 
all, that we will not withhold anything from you. But, Lord, we will give all to you for your will to be done, for you to be glorified in our life, for you to be magnified in our life. Oh, God, I pray tonight, Lord Jesus, that you will do a work in us, Lord God, that will change us, Lord God, that will change our outlook on eternity, Lord God. In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for your word and for revelation and for understanding, Lord God. I pray that our faith will be anchored like never before, Lord God, and that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God and that nothing will hinder us, Lord God, from standing on your word and we will trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lead not to our own understanding. I pray and ask tonight, Lord God, that you will help us to walk by faith and not by sight, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we will not compromise, Lord God, our holiness, that we will not compromise the word of God, that we will not compromise your identity. But Lord, we will be bold in declaring your identity, that we will be bold in being holy and righteous, that we will be bold in the word of God. And by faith, Lord God, we will serve you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, have your way. Do a work in our church, Lord God, that we will be a remnant of holiness, that we will be a remnant of righteousness, that we will be a remnant of a people of God. We're Lord. People will identify us by who we are in you. Oh God, by us, Lord Jesus, walking in our identity as children of the Most High God, as those that have realized and recognized how you have paid the price for us, how you have given all for us, and that in turn, Lord, we will live for you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. In the name of Jesus Christ, have your way in us, Lord God. Open up our understanding, if you will, Lord, and let the word that's being spoken, that have been spoken, Lord, let it take root. Let it begin to grow and produce good fruit in our life, Lord Jesus. Oh, have your way today, Lord God. Let us see clearly, Lord God, and not, oh God, be blinded in our understanding. Bring about clarity. Bring about, oh God, understanding like never before. We thank you and praise you. Oh God, we bless your name. The Lord is good. Your mercy everlasting, your truth endure it to all generations. I will bless the Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you tonight, Lord God, for all these things. We thank you and we praise you and we ask you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Brother Tom, can you get the um, offering basket? And if you have building fun tonight, please give unto the Lord before you leave. Thank you, church. Thank you for your time. God bless you. We want you to just trust the Lord. Give tonight before you leave out. And may God have his way with you. Have a safe travels home.